Thank you. This church means a lot to me. Each of you means so much to me. I, I can't tell you, just looking back through the years, the significance of this church in my life and my wife, our family. For instance, um, my son Robbie, my oldest, is 43 now, and his uh, oldest daughter is expecting, so I'll be a great-grandfather next year in March. And, uh, <laughs> but Robbie was only about five years old the first time I met Pastor Wayne Holcomb, and he was speaking about marriage and family at a, a conference in Maryland. And Teresa and I uh, married about six and a half years at the time. And um, Robbie, uh, as I said, was about five. Ricky was in an infant carrier, our second son. And we were just in love, you know. We hadn't been married that long, and we were just traveling around as evangelists and living out of our car. And it, it was an exciting time, a lot of great memories. But in the session that morning, as he was sharing... We had never heard anyone in church teach on marriage like that. Uh, just went into family, the marriage relationship itself. And uh, so we were, we, we were just spellbound. And the whole time, Teresa is punching me in the leg every five minutes or so, like, you need to hear this, kind of one of those. <laughs> and after the, about the third or fourth time, I was like, hey, stop. <laughs> you know, what in the world's going on? So God began to address some things in my own life, and it wasn't long after that, maybe even that same weekend that we ended up coming up here. Mark was just a little boy, and he actually rode in the car with us to make sure we didn't get lost and found our way from Elkton, Maryland, to uh, George Street here in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And uh, that's how long that we have been in relationship with this church and this church family you mean the world to us. A lot of your children and grandchildren were in youth camps that I preached and, and uh, through the years. I think I did it 28 straight years. And so uh, you meet a lot of generations. You know, every four years another high school group is graduating and another group is coming in through those 28. So there's quite a, quite a lot. And when I meet some of them now and they've got children or grandchildren, I realize how quickly time passes. <laughs> but I've learned a lot through the years that you almost have to live uh, life. You've got to have some wrinkles and gray hair to learn some things. I wish I'd known what I know now my whole life, especially when I was younger. But as I said, I began to learn even about marriage uh, after I'd gotten married. I learned from Pastor Wayne. I learned from the observation of other lives. And so those people, those things mature you and change you and develop you and help you become the man that God's called you to be. And so today I'm going to talk to you about the Father's heart and the heart we ought to have as, as men toward our children. And every generation as it passes, you, that heart doesn't leave you. The same heart that I held when, when I, that I felt when I held Robbie, the first, my firstborn son, in the hospital that same heart I still have for him. It's, uh, it's grown and developed. I'm, uh, I'm proud of him. The, my, my leadership role in his life has changed, of course. <laughs> no more spankings. But uh, he's, uh, 
he's doing, you know, he's a fantastic man himself, and yet my heart for him stays the same. That pattern comes from the Word of God. When you think about our Heavenly Father, that's the best example of what it means to have the heart, as men, we ought to have for our children, our grandchildren, our spouse, for the lost, for your city. And that's why I want to talk about the Father's heart, because it's, it's applicable to you as a young person. It's applicable to you as a, as a grandfather, a great-grandfather. It hits us right where we are. It, it hits us as pastors to our city, that we're supposed to have that kind of heart for our community, love them the way the Father loves them. As a matter of fact, the Scripture says that we're commanded to love not just our spouse as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, but we're also to love our neighbor as ourselves. God has put a compassion within every child of God that is to reflect the heart of the Father, Father God. And so let's talk about that a little bit. If you look in Psalm 23, uh, I'll just, I'm just going to read verse 1. Uh, I may reference uh, some of the other verses. I may not. But they're very familiar. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not, shall not want. Isn't it an amazing thing that our Heavenly Father is our shepherd? And he maintains that role throughout our life. And because he is our father, he is our shepherd. The Bible says there should be no lack in our lives. <clears throat> that means that if I have the Father's heart for our community, if I have the Father's heart for my family, for my wife, for our children and grandchildren, it's my responsibility then, if I'm like him, to make sure that there's no lack in their life. No lack spiritually, no lack financially, no lack emotionally. I have the responsibility to represent Father God Amen? That's a big role, isn't it? And so I, it's my responsibility to make sure there's no lack in their life. And there's no greater fulfillment than to know that the needs of your children, the needs of your spouse, the, the needs of, of, your, uh, of your family are being met. Even that they have an abundance. You know that as men. This is so practical because we, our greatest fulfillment comes when we see the big smile on the face of our children. You know, at a birthday party or something like that, we've gotten them something they want. And we've met a need and, and taken away a lack or a desire. We've been able to meet that. And all of a sudden, that big smile, that's all the fulfillment we need. It's worth all the hours we worked or whatever we did to make sure that there was no lack there. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your heart. I pray that you will speak to us today, that you will strengthen us and encourage us and cause us to step forward as men in our community, in our local church. God, in every area of our life, our family especially, but Lord, would you help us to have your eyes, that you would lift up our eyes to behold the harvest, and we would see our responsibility to make sure there's no lack in our local church. There's no lack in, uh, in our community, that needs are met, that, that lives are changed, that everyone around us, even as the early church, when it was planted, and they brought everything and laid it at the disciples' feet, the Bible said there was no lack among them. Every need was met. And I pray, God, that you'll put that kind of heart in us so that we will be a genuine Acts 2 New Testament church. And we give you the glory and the honor for that. I believe that in preparation for your coming, you're going to do just that. Yes. 
and you're going to cause churches to rise up in their community and be a source and a refuge and be those that meet the need and and hear the heart of God and represent the love of God in a greater way. God, I pray you heal the divisiveness that's come in the church in recent years. I pray that you will, we stand against the darkness that has divided men and women of God from men and women of God. Lord, that you will draw our churches back together and cause us, O oh Lord, to walk in sweet fellowship and usher in the second coming of our Lord so that every tongue shall hear and every nation shall be reached for the glory of God. Lift our eyes to behold a harvest, O oh God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, this is one of the most powerfully penetrating of all Christian truths is that God knows my heart. He knows my needs. He knows your heart. He knows mine. God knew the heart of David. Then that's why he was writing this shepherd's psalm because he himself was a shepherd. So he's, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, he knew what it was like to be a shepherd, to go after the one that was missing, to have that kind of heart and compassion. And so he said, and the Lord is my, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all those things that I was to that flock. He's all those things to me personally. And so David was just a shepherd boy, but he understood the father heart of God through the role of a shepherd. And that's why the Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, you remember the scripture said, The Lord said to Samuel, don't look on his countenance, don't look on his stature or size, because uh, he says, I have refused the older brothers, but because the Lord doesn't see as man sees. It says, for man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And I'm convinced that the churches that God is going to bless and give the most influence to in their cities in this last season as we approach the coming of the Lord are those that have lifted up their eyes and they have the same heart because God's looking on the heart. If he's going to raise someone up, if he's going to make a king out of them, if he's going to bless and prosper them, it's because they have the same heart he has toward the people in their community, toward their families, and toward their homes. And so if you want the blessing of God on your life, just represent him well. Just make sure that you have the same heart he has because he's looking at the heart. I tell you today, he still looks at the heart. I'm so grateful that he does. And perhaps that's one of the reasons that God chose David to be the next king because he had the heart of a shepherd, which was so much like the heart of a father. When David wrote this psalm, probably the most famous uh, of all chapters in the Bible, Psalm 23, and he described God as a, as a father and a shepherd. He saw the Heavenly Father as his own shepherd. And then if you look through the scriptures, you see not just Psalm 23, but remember Jesus is himself called the shepherd. He identified himself in John 10 and verse 4 as the good shepherd. The apostle Peter called Jesus in 1 Peter 2.25, he called Jesus the shepherd, with a capital S, the shepherd and bishop of our souls. And then the, uh, 1 Peter 5.4, he called him the chief shepherd. I think that's significant that, that he has that same view of God as a shepherd and a father to you and I. And I find it really comforting. I don't know about the rest of you, but I find it very comforting to know that God knows my heart that he's my father. Aren't you glad that he is your father and he loves you that way? Come on, can we give him a praise offering for that? Amen. That's why, that's why fatherlessness is such a difficulty in our cities and our communities today because 
God chooses to, and, and men, I'm not trying to be, this isn't a political statement because I was saying this before everybody made a, some, everything political. The truth is that he is our father, he is our shepherd, and we, we do have a problem with fatherlessness in our society and in our cities, and it's north, south, east, and west. We, we, the presence of a father makes all the difference in the world. Some young people growing up now, they really believe that nobody cares, nobody understands. Society is so fragmented. It, it used to be that in some of the inner city poor communities that there were sections of people that still identified with one another, but now it's almost like everybody's for themselves. They're so isolated. Uh, social media has isolated people one from another, and they can live in any community in this country and not know who the next door neighbor is. The same thing happens up, you can have kids upstairs and never talk to their mom and dad downstairs and a, a wife in another room watching her program because they got five or six TVs in the house and everybody's doing their own thing. And so people have become more isolated. They, they don't see themselves as a unit like they used to, not even within community. And fatherlessness creates that sense of abandonment and loneliness and isolation. That's why suicide rate is up among teenagers and young people. That's why so many are taking their lives today. And, and in the isolation we went through, uh, through the pandemic, we discovered that people, suicide rates went up among all age groups. Uh, we have a tremendous ministry to addiction uh, addicts in our, in our church and in our community. We've, God's blessed us to be able to make an impact. There must be two or 300 addicts in our church every Sunday morning, and, and we just continue to make a difference in that area. But many of the, the men sponsors in our church were telling me that they lost people through the pandemic because they weren't able to meet together and have the accountability they should. And it didn't take long without that sense of brothers around them before many of them found themselves taking their own lives and relapsing, going back. The ones that survived, many of them went back into it. And so the commentary is true in many cases. And it's that way if... Uh, Many people who are incarcerated right now that are battling addictions, homeless, even our elderly, can feel that abandonment, that fatherlessness, like few really care. And that's why if we can get this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If we can get that heart, that because we are fathers and we're men in our community, we're, not, we're going to make sure there's no lack, no lack in our families, no lack in our church no lack in our community. We're going to step up and make a difference and minister and meet the needs in those areas. That's why I so admire your pastor and his heart for outreach and, and how that God has, has caused him to turn and this, the, so much focus toward the needs of your city. You, you're all around you right now, you have, this, you have these tremendous needs and these people that are isolated that don't know Christ. And isn't it, isn't it exciting to know that you're in a church that has the Father's heart, <laughs> that wants to make a difference and make sure that no one is lacking. Can we give God a praise offering for the for River Valley? So this is where, I tell you, this is our opportunity. This is not, it's not like this is a dark, awful day. I know a lot of crazy stuff's going on out there. But whenever there's darkness, a little bit of light is very noticeable. And this is our opportunity. We have an opportunity as God's people, as churches, as men of God. We can, this is where God's man can step up into the life of the broken and reveal the heart of the Heavenly Father. 
the influence that men have just on their families, uh, not just our, I'm, I, of course, I'm talking in a broad sweep about our communities, but do you realize that in your own family, as a dad, as a man, the impact, influence that you have, it's amazing. I want to give you a few statistics. These are pre-COVID. It's probably more, uh, more so now. But there are 13 million more women than men in church on any given Sunday in America. Shouldn't be like that. <laughs> men need to step up. There are more than 90% more than of American men say they believe in God. Five out of six men in America call themselves Christian, but only one out of six will attend church this weekend. This Sunday, 25% of married women will worship without their husbands. Church involvement by fathers is the most important predictor of marital stability and happiness. Church involvement by dads moves the family out of poverty. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not laugh. Is that awesome? And then teens with religious fathers are more likely to say they enjoy spending time with their dad and that they admire him. A man after the heart of God, the father can't help himself. The way God made us as men, that's why this wall's behind me here, we're made... We're made to defend, to protect. It's to provide, to lead our family after Christ. It's the way God made us as men. And so as men, we, we, we're not confused about our sexual identity. We're not confused about who we are. We know who we are. We know what we've been called to do, and we're stepping up. Can somebody say amen? It's our responsibility. We're, we're, not, we're not shying away from it, not running from it. We know who we are. And so we step up. The heart of Father God beats violently in the souls of men like that. And so the heart of God should be our heart as dads today. It should be our heart as, as men of God in our local church. And so when I get a glimpse of the Father's heart, just a couple things I want to share with you is, first, I mentioned it earlier. I'm so glad God knows my heart. The Father knows your heart. When you know you're, you're in tune with your family in your home and you're raising children, I discovered that you know that you're... you're you're the dad you need to be when you know the heart of your kids. And sometimes we know also the opposite. We know we're not really in touch with our family and our children when we don't know their heart, when we've allowed too much distance to drift between us and, and we're not really communicating. We, don't really, we not, need to know their heart better. And so that's the time you pull them in. You spend more time with them. And you make sure that, that you know their heart and you see where they really are. And you help them open up to you. In Hebrews 4.15, the Bible says, We have not a high priest, a father, a shepherd, who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And when your kids are struggling with something or they're going through some temptation, our first reaction sometimes is to get angry or upset or mad at them, but instead our first reaction ought to be, Hey, I know exactly what you're doing. I went through, I made some mistakes myself was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And even though he was, he was sinless, the thing that attracts us to Father God is that he understands our temptations. Amen. He recognizes and feels our infirmities. But when we distance ourselves from our kids and act like we don't understand their temptation or their struggle or their battle, well, number one, we're probably not being truthful, probably hiding something ourselves. 
but it's very important that we make sure they know that we understand where they're at and what they feel. The Greek word there for touched, see, God doesn't just know your emotional state. He feels it. And every good father doesn't just know the state of their flock, or their children, their home, their wife, their family, but they, they feel it. The Greek word there for touch, he was touched in all points like as we are, the scripture says, touched with the feelings of our infirmities. It means understands and sympathizes with your condition. A father is touched with, understands and sympathizes with the condition of his children. It's incredible when you, when you have that love for them and you understand. You may not have even experienced it in your own life, but there's such compassion and understanding for them in their struggle because because you love them and you know them and you understand. I, I know my son, uh, Ricky, his, his oldest son, Colin, my grandson, has a, has a learning disability and is a little bit behind in, in uh, social skills and those kind of things. And so they've been looking for the classrooms they would put them in and public education. There was no... Um, they were there with kids of all varying degrees of mental health issues, some with helmets, some with, and he, he, he had ability to learn. He wasn't in that same condition, but there was nowhere else for him to go to school. And so he's put in this class, riding that same bus to school and all of those things. And year after year, and Ricky's interceding and praying and crying. There was nothing in our area. And we hear about this school called Jeremiah School. Well, they put in an application to get in there, but it was $10,000 a year. And so for him to to start high school in that. And so the, he started in the public school. Two days in, he gets a phone call from Jeremiah School. A miracle takes place. Somebody moves and relocates. There's a spot. Would you like it? And Ricky would not, don't, doesn't have $10,000 in the bank, but he understands mm -hmm. the feelings and infirmities of his child. He didn't have that same thing himself, but he understood. And in, in, in an instant, he says, we'll be there. He hangs up. I don't know where we're going to get $10,000, but we'll be there. Well, of course, you know, Papa and Grammy and a lot of us jump in there. But suddenly, just, just like that, God turned that situation around. You don't have to experience it to be touched with it. You don't have to have had the same experience in your life to be touched with it. Let our hearts open up to our own children, to our community. If we can have more compassion as we reach out to this broken, crazy day we live in, it'll make a whole lot of difference. And so, so he has compassion. He has compassion for our physical health. Our Father, Heavenly Father does. In Mark 1 and 41, you remember the leper? The Bible said he was moved with compassion. He put forth his hand and touched him. He said, I will be thou clean. Compassion caused him to heal. And the widow of Nain, she'd lost her only son. Luke 7, 13, Jesus is passing by the funeral procession. And the Bible said, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, weep not. And he just reaches up and touches <laughs> that casket and up comes that boy from the dead Amen. headed to the cemetery. Amen. Oh, come on. Somebody ought to be giving God Amen. his Amen. compassion, moves him. Sometimes we're trying to stir up, oh, I need more faith, I need more faith. Well, no, what you need to do is just understand he loves you. The faith is there if you know how much he loves you. He's moved with compassion in your situation, and you can receive the miracle if you know that. In Jude 22, the Bible says when it comes to reaching our city or reaching the lost, it says of some, have compassion making a difference. Compassion makes a difference. And that's why Isaiah prophesied, 
In Isaiah 53, 4, you remember the famous chapter concerning him going to the cross. It says that he has borne our grief and he has carried our sorrows. <laughs> that's, that's our father. He knows your heart's weakness as well. Still loves you. Some of you got weaknesses that your spouse doesn't know about, that no other men in the church know about, maybe something that you battled with personally or privately. But the Bible says that he was tempted in all points like as we are. A true dad knows and senses there is a battle within you. He's tempted like as we are. And yes, in all points, the Bible says of Christ that he was tempted in all points like as we are. That's an interesting statement. It doesn't mean that he yielded to the sin, but he was tempted, understands, knows what it's like. The Heavenly Father can help you win because how many of you know we need help winning our battles with our flesh? Because the Bible said he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. So he can teach us how to live in victory. That's the good thing about a dad is, hey, I understand. I know you're struggling in this. I realize this is a real thing and you're battling, but can I tell you, let me help you win. I want to help you win. You can win this battle. God gave me victory in this area and that area. And, and I know God can give you victory. And so it's important for us to say, I've been tempted too as a dad. I've, I've been through stuff myself. But God, but God, but God brought me out because he loved me. He knows also your heart's desire. You see, as a dad, we can't say, we just simply cannot say that we have, we can't say like Jesus did that we have no sin. But we, not only can we help our children avoid things that we didn't go through, but they went through, but we can also help them by just sharing with them and let, letting them know that you can avoid what I couldn't. Yes. You know, I, I failed in this area or the other area, but you don't have to. My dad struggled with addictions. Uh, he was raised by a bootlegger and alcoholism from the time he was a little boy. He was hauling moonshine and, and uh, running from the law and all that kind of thing. And uh, so he was raised in that environment. Alcoholic when he went into the military at 16. Saw things in the occupation of Japan and then in Korea where he was wounded in battle. Saw things that he carried with him the rest of his life and so the struggle with alcohol even after he gave his heart to God was a real thing. He would find himself relapsing on occasion and trying to hide it from from folks in the church because he wanted to to go to church but he was struggling in his life with those addictions and habits and so my dad sat me down. I knew about his struggles of course and so he sets me down and says to me one evening with a a can of Schlitz malt liquor in his hand and the rest of the six pack by him on the chair there and he says uh, son don't ever drink this stuff Amen. and I had seen enough of what it had done to dad's life and he was so open and transparent with me about what he'd been through his struggles with his own dad I knew what alcohol had done to him mm. and so I said dad you don't ever have to worry about me taking the first drink Sometimes we think, well, I can't tell them what I've been through because they'll use it as an excuse to do it. But no, you, you can be honest about where you've been 
and you can help them avoid things that you couldn't. And you can, you can tell them. You, you're strong in ways that I, I just wasn't. This is my life. This is the way I was raised up. This is what I went through. I failed in this area. Maybe some dads failed with sex before marriage. And they haven't talked to their kids about that reality. And then, but one of the best things you can do is say, I failed in that area. I struggled in that area. I didn't do good. I'm praying you can do better. I'm praying for you. I know that God can help you had this impact on me and your mom. We struggled in the early years because of this. And, and would you, I'm praying for you that you don't have to go through what I went through. But sometimes instead we wall ourselves off and we don't let our kids know I've been tempted like you. But if we can be honest in it very often, that's the area where our kids grow strong in. And like in that battle with my, now see if dad had just hit it all the time and I knew about it, maybe I'd have struggled with it. But because he told me about his struggle, he warned me about it, I saw what it was doing to him and mom. I remember when the rescue squad ambulance pulled up outside the housing projects where we lived. I remember when they came in and got mom off the floor and bleeding. I remember what alcohol turned daddy into. When, when he told me and shared that with me, I knew what alcohol did to him. And so when he said, he, he didn't have to lie to me, I knew. So when he told me the truth, and said, I said, Daddy, you don't ever have to worry about that. <laughs> Can somebody shout hallelujah? God knows your temptations. You have a father that knows your temptations. He's been tempted in all points, like as we are. And yet, because he's God without sin. But you and I as dads, we can't say without sin. <laughs> Tell somebody beside you and say he's talking to you. Amen. And he knows our heart's desire. Hebrews 4 and verse 12 says that the word of God is so quick and powerful and sharp. It says it divides between our soul and our spirit. That's our emotions. And, it, and the spirit, the God part of us, it, dis, it discerns between joint and marrow. It discerns between the thoughts and the intent of the heart. God knows your heart's desire, what you really want, who you really are. He knows the intent of your heart. It's a powerful thought, even to the dividing of soul and spirit, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Wow. So a Christian father, we can know what our kids really, where they're really at. We can ask God in prayer. We can be in prayer daily concerning our children, and God will, God will reveal to us and show us. I used to think my mom had eyes in the back of her head. Anybody have a mom like that? Somehow she'd ask questions like, what in the world are you asking me about that for? I, you got to be kidding, Mom, you know. But, uh, and Robbie and Ricky, they've got some stories they can tell you about Teresa. <laughs> and uh, so the truth is that somehow God will reveal it to you if you're praying. He can, as a Christian father, you can know what, not just what you desire, but what your children really desire. You can help them find their place in life. You can help them find their vocation. You can help them become who God's called them to be. But you've got you've to focus on them like the Father focuses on us. You've got to see them like the shepherds saw the flock. You've got to care about them that way. And the Christian Father knows what we really need. Because you remember what the Bible said in Romans 8, 28 about God the Father? That somehow he works all things together for good to them that love him. There's something about God that knows when we're stuck on stupid. But he can take even our bad stuff is anybody in the room glad have you ever had him take stuff that 
the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for your good. That's what Father does. So a good father, yeah, amen. A good father steps in our life and he sees, he sees where we're at and he starts trying to work things for good, even though he knows where we're at. And so I want to close with just this little thought. Let's reveal the Father's heart then. You know, sometimes we're, we're all the time talking about how we feel the way others make us feel. Maybe we should start asking God, God, help me to reveal your heart. You know, like John the Baptist, we start praying that prayer less of me and more of you. Is there anyone else in the room besides me that feels like it'd be great if there was more of the Heavenly Father scene and less of this guy? I want him to live big in me. I recognize the need in my life for, for him to reveal himself in me, in me and through me. So let's reveal the Father's heart. The Lord told Samuel, back to a scripture we mentioned before in 1 Samuel 13, 14, that the Lord has sought a man after his own heart. So he found David, not looking on the outward appearance, but he found a man after his own heart. I want to be that man. How about you? I want to be that man that God can find that has, has the heart God can use. And there's some good stuff that happens. The first is we can rescue our fallen children. In John 8, verses 3 through 11, the Bible talks about a woman who was taken in adultery. And they were getting ready to stone her. But she was a daughter of Abraham. And God, the Father, rescued her through Jesus the Son, from death. And she was guilty. She was fallen. She, she was caught in the very act of adultery. But Jesus rescued her from those that religious that wanted to stone her to death. I want to rescue the fallen. I want to be that kind of person, that kind of church, that kind of believer that rescues fallen children instead of condemning them with rocks in my hand. And I want, to, I want to receive the backslidden, like Luke 15. Those sons and daughters that got away. I want to receive them back, don't you? Yes. I'm like, come on home. Come on back home. I'm standing on the porch. I'm watching for you. I want you to come back to the house of God. Come back to the family. Come back to Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> just, just come on back, son. I love you. God can turn this around. We need to celebrate the weakest returning prodigal. There was an older son who'd stayed in the house. He had his own issues. He didn't do what the weak brother did. But that weak younger one, he got out there, and oh my goodness, he was the weakest prodigal out there. But he was received by the father in the same way that he would receive the older son. How awesome. And I want to reach unwanted people. I believe God's called this church to do that. To reach people in your community that nobody wants, nobody cares about, that have been, I re remember, I'm pretty sure I remember Pastor Wayne prophecies back when, uh, years ago in this church of God bringing in to this church people that nobody else wanted, outcast. And I just believe that God wants to fulfill that word. It's a word about being a light, a lighthouse and, and uh, the light shining through the valley and God bringing people. I just believe God is doing that. It's been the, his heart for this church, and you're able to reveal his heart through this church. Aren't you thankful for that? And he's doing it generation to generation. He hasn't given up on his word and promised to, through you to this community. So 
I want to reach the unwanted. Luke 4.18 tells us that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Here's why the Holy Ghost comes on you. This is why it's not so I can speak in tongues and run around the church and shout and get my praise on. I love all that stuff. But the truth is, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised. And so the obvious thing is the Holy Ghost will not anoint us to just do our own thing, but the Holy Spirit comes upon us to do what he wants, to reveal his far, His heart to the community. And that's what I think we should do, and I think that's what God is doing. I want to be a church with a father's heart, not just a dad with a father's heart, but a church with the father's heart. Amen. As we prepare to pray, let me mention to you this, this quick thing. I, I think God's still searching for people like that. I think he's still looking for someone with the Father's heart. Uh, it's described by Ezekiel in, in this way in chapter 22 and verse 30. It's described as, I ser- I'm searching for a man who will stand in the gap. He's looking for somebody that will get between the devil and destruction and a child of God that's headed that way. He's looking for someone to stand in the gap, to stand in that space between hell and backslidden people, people away from God and the lost. I want to I be that man. I, when he goes looking, I want him to find me and say, stand in the gap. I want to step into my place. Don't you men? I want to step in there. In my family, in my home, in my local church, I want to step in there. I want to stand in the gap. I want to be the man to stand in the gap. And often that means intercession. I'm praying. Pastor Wayne and I were talking earlier. I'm praying more for my kids now than anything else. Doing a ton of praying. And, uh, and, now, and my mother is still living, by the way. My mother is, wow. is 84 years old, and she's, she's just in church every time the doors are open. Amazing woman. Uh, I love hanging out with her. I like to spend time with her. Mark is working in the church down there now, and you know Mark. She's, she's something else, and she's an old-time saint. She'll tell you straight up, you know, that ain't right. You get your life together, son. You know, she's, she's one of those. She'll, she'll let you have it, you know, but she'll hug you too. She'll hug you while she's telling you straighten up. But she's an awesome woman of God, and she has this incredible incredible heart like that of prayer and intercession and I still remember her prayers for me I I still even when I was a teenager once I was I got saved when I was 17 and I remember walking down the hallway past uh, mom everywhere we lived she always had a prayer closet and this particular house there just wasn't a space for it anywhere but in this basement had a dirt floor and down those steep steps at the bottom in the basement, not far from an old coal furnace, Mom had put a little table down there and had her Bible out and on. She'd have her prayer down there. And I hear her just crying out in prayer. And she's praying out loud, just as loud. And when I first passed the door, I just heard her say, Richard, real loud. I thought she'd fallen or something. So I opened the door and I said, Mom, and I realized she's in this She's out there in prayer. I hear she's still talking. and She's just praying. She keeps calling my name. So I come two or three steps down the basement steps. And she says, God, 
Don't let Richard sleep at night. Keep him up. Let him dream of the second coming. Flames of hell. Take his appetite. I mean, she's praying. Oh, my God. So I was like, I'm going to have to get saved. I'm going to die of starvation. You know? I had one of those kind of moms, you know? And sure enough, it was like I, I, I just couldn't. I could, no, I, there's nothing else I could do. I, within just a few weeks, I gave my heart to God and, and got saved in the fall of that year at 17 years of age. I'm so thankful for her prayers. Intercession is a way to stand in the gap. And right now, God is calling churches all across America to a deeper level of prayer, yes. calling individuals and families to more prayer. Yes. And I want to challenge you in your personal life, if you want the Father's heart, you'll find it in prayer. Get on your knees, get in the presence of God, let him speak to you. I wonder if we could just stand together and I'll pray. You know, God is so, so sincere, so serious about searching for a man to stand in the gap, trying to find someone with the Father's heart. He's so serious about that that the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16 and 9 that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth searching for someone whose heart is perfect toward him. He's, he's actively looking for someone to stand in the gap, somebody he can anoint, somebody he can raise up, someone that will step up and say, here am I, Lord, use me. And maybe some of you burned with that kind of passion in your youth. Maybe when you first got saved, you, you had this fire and passion after God that God just got a hold of you and you did so much at that time and maybe you, some of us have reached an age where you think that God's done or he's just going to use the next generation or our grandchildren or something like that but instead God is calling us to more activity and I'm finding that my activity isn't just in my traveling and preaching and writing and those kind of things no the activity he's called me to is to be a better dad a better leader in our local church, a better intercessor and prayer warrior for my children and my community. And so God is calling me to deeper levels of prayer. I believe that's what God does. We reach a place in our walk with God where maybe we, you're not as active as you used to be here in the world, but God is calling you to a deeper activity in the church and in prayer. And that's where we can step up. Because prayer can shake the heavens. Prayer can bring the Holy Ghost into an upper room. Prayer can launch you out into the streets in a full citywide revival. Prayer does that. <laughs> prayer does that. And we've got a power in prayer and a communication with our Heavenly Father and a Father whose ears are always listening for that prayer. Hallelujah. That will respond to it if we'll pray. So let's bow our heads and pray together right now. Yes, amen. Mighty God, I pray. As a dad, I pray that I have a heavenly father's heart that's always reaching, always believing, 
always trusting that you'll bring the prodigal home, you'll turn the life around, you'll give us a miracle. Because your love is unending, your love is unstoppable. You put the supernatural anointing upon the church that will preach the gospel to the poor. You will anoint them with power to heal broken hearts, break bondages, and open blind eyes. And so God help us to love like the Father as a church. And right now, Lord, in this room, someone's child is missing. They belong in the house of God. They belong in your kingdom. And the adversary has pulled them out. They may be lying in a gutter. They could be suffering from abuse in some woman's shelter. Maybe on a college campus or in our schools. They work right next to us very often. They sit beside us in a classroom. They're out on that wide way where perish lost sheep. Who will go and find them? And where the love bands bind them? Who will go after the sheep? Father, raise us up. Make us that kind of people. Stir the heart of the Father in us. And we give you, and touch our families. Bring home our lost children. Bring back those wayward grandchildren. Give us a real revival. And we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. 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 Can we put our hands together and praise the Lord?